Hello, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. Pre-taping this because I'm going to be insanely busy this week guiding. I'm not guiding about myself, but there's 700 people affiliated with Chabad coming on their Learning Institute. I'm one of the guides. I think I'm one of 18 guides. It's going to be an insane week. Anyway, so I prevailed upon my old friend, Sharon Katz, who doesn't sleep either. So we could have done it this at four in the morning, but we decided to give ourselves a break. It is Sunday night, March 12th, 2023, and the 20th day of Adar already, uh, 5783, um, moving our way into the spring, although this is one of those weeks in Israel, which is totally transitioned. Beautiful day today, going to be raining tomorrow. And you can just like feel the one week of spring that we have here in the land of Israel, this apparently is it. But um, I asked Sharon to come and, and uh, speak with me because the two of us had a really nice surprise. The last month's issue of Mizrahi magazine, Mizrahi being really like the leading organization for religious Zionists, both in Israel and around the world. So they published an article that was actually instigated by one of the women who's involved in the article, Marilyn Adler. It turns out that her neighbor is the editor of Mizrahi. They had started having a talk and he didn't know that tw- almost 28 years ago, um, some women, with the help of a lot of other people as well, did something, did something super important here in Efrat. And uh, we were able to save a hill, one of the neighborhoods. It wasn't yet a neighborhood. It's between Efrat and Bethlehem. Bethlehem having been given to the Palestinian Authority not that much earlier. And we were able to demonstrate there, not the way they're demonstrating today, but we were able to demonstrate our love of Israel, but also our devotion to the land, for a couple of weeks until the army took us down. It was a whole big crazy thing along with Nadia Matar and others. And now today, both Sharon and I have children living on the Dagan Hill and grandchildren living on the Dagan Hill. And it's just like one of those cases where you see that like little people, but with a lot of faith and a lot of love of the land can sometimes get things done. And Sharon, who I'm going to introduce in a second, has a long list of things that she, not not just at the Dagan, but before that, has is doing and is getting done all the time. So first of all, Sharon, thank you so much for joining me here. Thank you for having me, Eve. It's such a pleasure to speak to your listeners. Yeah, they are great. So what do you remember from that crazy summer, that August of 95? It was a long time ago already. That was really a long time ago. And I was really an Ola Hadasha, which is a new immigrant. I hardly spoke Hebrew. And it's so amazing. Nobody can tell you today that I can't do something in Israel because I don't speak Hebrew. I can't make a difference because I don't speak Hebrew. I didn't speak any Hebrew. And um, I helped take over a hill. So isn't that fantastic? uh, Yeah, it's really incredible. And um, but I think that's really the main message. We were very naive. I mean, super naive. We went up there, and then every morning we would get up and say, we're still here. <laughs> we thought every night we thought that they're taking us away for sure, but they didn't. No. And, and when they didn't, we had to start thinking about, we had to start thinking about long-range plans, like tomorrow, and right. what are the kids going to eat, and who's going to take care of them. And, um, and bathrooms. Yeah, we made very good use of some garbage cans, as I recall. <laughs> that was an issue. Remember, somebody moved to Israel, and we asked him for his moving crate, and we made it into a bathroom. Right. Isn't yeah. that something? You know how you, when you see a, a movie, like nobody's ever going to the bathroom? That's like so not... Or eating, yeah. usually. Right. And we were always worrying about the bathrooms yeah. and eating. 
and right, right. And uh, I think one of the amazing things that I remember was that I was worried for my children to be up there for a long period of time. So I sent them to Betel to my brother and sister-in-law. Oh. And you know what happened right after I sent them the next day? They went up on their hill. Oh, wow. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a really crazy summer. I mean, you had nearly two years before the Oslo Accords, the accursed Oslo Accords, September of 93 were signed. Um, Yitzhak Rabin was the prime minister. He was assassinated a few months later. I mean, there were a lot of a lot of crazy things that were happening here, a lot of terrible things that were happening here. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we look back and we see that so many of those visions that we didn't have, but other people had that, oh, peace is going to just break out in our time and everything's going to be great. Unfortunately, a lot of blood has been spilled, continues to be spilled. We were just speaking about the, the two-year-old who was buried uh, yesterday, who the press is reporting it as a car accident, but it was not a car accident. The mother said the Arab drove right into her. I mean, he was followed her. He drove right into her. He smashed into the car. Arab stood around the car while her baby was basically, you know, bleeding to death. And it goes on all the time. It goes on too much. But with all that, there are quite a few Israelis, including us, who uh, aren't giving up and are seeing a bigger picture and are doing what we can to make this a better place. And you really stand out among, and I know a lot of people, in the things that you've been done, that you've been doing. I mean, 10 years later, summer of 2005, and we were also both involved in, stop, in trying to stop the destruction of the Jewish communities in Gush Katif and in Gaza. And you've kept that up. I mean, you, you haven't flagged when it comes to Gush Katif. Well, about six months after Gush Katif was destroyed, Efrat had a tragedy. And do you remember that Yosef Goodman was killed in a, he was a soldier who was killed in a training accident. And there was a very, uh, there was a very big shiva in his house. Uh, hundreds of people came to visit the family, it was really to give their condolences, really very sad. I was sitting in the kitchen. I was volunteering, uh, helping feeding the family. And people were coming into the kitchen to talk to me and... Um, and everybody kept saying, this is so sad. And I said, yeah, this is so sad. This is so terrible. Yes, this is so terrible. We're very sad. Yeah, yeah. You know who else is very sad? Who? The people of Gush Katif. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, that's very sad. And I said, we really need some happiness. And everybody's like, yeah, we really need some happiness. And I said, you know what would make people very happy? What's the biggest happiness you have? The joy of the bride and the groom. Right. Just a few months before... There had been, right after the um, the expulsion from Gush Katif, somebody made a bridal shower for a girl from Gush Katif. And I said, they did this in Beit Shemesh. Maybe we could make a bridal shower and bring some happiness to this community. We need some happiness. And everybody was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. So many people participated in this bridal shower that we didn't only shower one girl from Gush Katif, we showered eight now, we didn't even know anybody from Gush Katif, really, except for the people that we were volunteering for in the different hotels. But the day after we said we were going to make a bridal shower, somebody came running up to our friend Judy Rosenstark and said, give me a mazel tov. And Judy said, what's your mazel tov? And she said, my daughter just got engaged. And she said, really? And we have a bridal shower for her. Wow. So she was our first bride, bride, and it ended up being eight brides. And then people liked the idea in Beit El, in, um, in Neve Daniel, all over Gush, Gush Etzion, in other places in, in, in Renana. And the women in Harnof loved the idea and made a bridal shower that was so big that I think 17 girls were showered at that time. 
Now, you know how many girls we've showered since then? We've ha- we haven't stopped. We have showered over 2,200 brides of Gush Katif. So for those who have forgotten or didn't know, the people were thrown out of their homes. They didn't have homes. They didn't have anything. The parents weren't working because many of them were farmers who'd lost their farms. And these girls had nothing. And we gave money. We would buy them a mixer. We would buy them a microwave. I mean, all the basic things that you try and outfit a young couple with. Um, they, they didn't have any resources whatsoever. And it, it's a beautiful project. Sharon is still doing this. And we're talking about many years down the line. And we're doing it not because they don't have the ability now right. to make uh, to make enough money to buy them a mixer or a microwave or whatever. We're doing it sort of to give them a hug so that they should know that we're still with you. We remember you. We thank you for the uh, sacrifices that you made in, um, in Gush Katif. And we just love you. We'll never forget you and we'll always be, be with you. And that's so important because many of them do feel, and many of them haven't been able to really come out of what happened. Or There's been a lot of divorces and alcoholism and all the things that happen. We know in a post-COVID world when people are under stress and lose their jobs and those things happened. Added to that, that they were betrayed by their own government. Total mess. But anyway, so this is kind of, if I have to put a theme on your life, at least for me, it's how do you bring joy into a sad situation? Okay, because you were already doing this before Gush Katif when it came to the terrible years that people like to call the Intifada, which I hate because that means like an uprising. No, I call it the Oslo War. I call it the terror war that resulted from giving the enemy territory and guns and the ability to kill us. And as we said, it's still happening. So what? tell us a little bit about the Raise Your Spirits and some of what you started here along with others to really do exactly that, raise people's spirits. So in 2001, the Intifada was really full-blown here. And unfortunately, Gush Etzion had a lot of tragedies. And my next-door neighbor, Esther Elvan, and my friend from the Five Towns, I'm from the Five Towns originally, uh, Sarah Blaustein, were killed right on the road outside of Efrat. It was such a depressing, horrible time. Everybody was just walking around crying because they were wondering who's going to be next. So you walk to the supermarket, you saw somebody online at the supermarket, they're crying. You go to the garbage can, you see your neighbor, they're crying. Everybody was always crying. So I had started something called that we call the Afrat email list. One day I put on the Afrat email list that it's like so depressing. What can we do here? We're all sad. So somebody said, let's rent cowboy and Indian movies and we'll cheer for the cowboys and we'll boo the Indians. And somebody said, let's have a fair. It'll be fun for the kids. But that's like a day long. Mm -hmm. So I used to work in the motion picture and television industry in New York. And I have a lot of memorabilia hanging around my house, literally. And above my desk, I have a poster from a Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland movie. And in the Depression times of America in 1930, Mickey Rooney used to say, let's put on a show. It's going to be the greatest show you ever heard. And everybody's going to be happy. And we're going to get the whole town involved. And I figured if he does this in his movies and everybody really did get happy from them, I thought maybe he could help not just Depression America, but Depression Efrat. So at about 11 o'clock at night, one night, I wrote on the Efrat email list, let's put on a show, and it's going to be the greatest thing we ever did, and everybody's going to be involved, and everyone's going to be happy, and we're going to lift everyone's spirits. And we had so many people that uh, volunteered to be part of it. And we put on our first show, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, in 2001. And it was because 
we didn't know how to put on a show and we didn't know if we'd be any good, but Joseph was all singing and we figured the worst thing that'll happen, we'll stand there and we'll sing. It was so fantastic. It just kept going on and on and on. We performed for the Knesset. Our girls were on television. We were one of the questions on the Bible quiz that they have every year. I mean, it was really a fantastic... It was all women and girls. Yes, it was all women and girls. It was a fantastic phenomenon. And, um, and... The thing with Joseph is that we did it in order to give people something to look forward to, give them something happy that they can say like, wow, we're going to do this and give them something to do at night. You know, people did not leave their homes. People were afraid to go anywhere. So we were here. We were very local. Also, do you remember there was like a pigua, a terror attack, like every day. And if, if, if you were a normal person, you would just want to stay in your bed and cover yourself with your blanket. But, or leave. Oh, God forbid. Oh, my gosh. So we told them, you can be in our show, but you had to show up to every rehearsal, no matter what. Even if you were the makeup girl or you were whatever. No what? If there, was a, if there was a terror attack in Yerushalayim, you still had to show up. If, some, if you knew somebody that was injured somewhere, you still had to show up. And it's not because the show must go on. But because the show of life has to go on. And if we are just going to cancel everything because of the the sad things that happen around us, then we're just, you know, we're just finished. So uh, so that was the rule. And we went on. And thank God we performed. We Unfortunately, we even had, we even had a show on the night of 9-11. Wow, I remember right. that. And we turned it, yes. We turned it into like a, a, a giant woman's tefillah, a prayer service. And then we went on and we did the show. And it was just the most moving experience ever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and Raise Your Spirits is still going on all these years later. Do you remember all the plays you've put on? And Because I have to say, as someone who didn't participate but went to most of the shows, I, I was amazing to me with some of my neighbors and friends, the voices that they have, how incredibly they acted, little girls also that got involved, older women, funny. I mean, it was just a beautiful thing to be a part of. And there were some women who were actually um, performers from their own previous life. It was was one of the nice things is that it's like, was professional women and regular women and old women and young women. And um, and Baruch Hashem was a fanta- was a fantastic experience. And people tried to leave their heartache at the door and just right. for a couple of hours, just immerse in. Well, so tell us some of the titles, some of the other shows that you did. Well, I wrote I wrote six musicals, um, and I performed usually as a man in uh, in most of them. Usually as as the as like the evil guy, which is always the most fun. But I was a woman twice. That was a lot of fun. Once I was Sisra's mother. Um, and once, uh, well, in my latest whisper freedom, I'm babushka. Um, that's, that's like a lot of fun. That's for the women's performance community of Jerusalem. And that's another story when all, when Jerusalem in the past few years was, was, I don't know, it's a, a scary place to be. And people were staying home more and people felt very, very isolated. I thought that what they need is what we what we had in Gushatzion. And so many people said to us, Can you do for us what you did in Gushatzion? And I got together with three of my friends, Shifra Pankawa, Avital Makles, and my own daughter Bati. And we started another theater company um seven years ago now. 
It's called the Women's Performance Community of Jerusalem. And we bring women from all over greater Jerusalem together, uh, all kinds of women, Haredi women and, and, and secular women and young women and old women and people with difficulties and people with, you know, Olim and people who have all kinds of, every, everybody has a story. And in life, we know that everyone has a story. So when you put them together in a theater company, my gosh, it's all the stories together. <laughs> Um, I also, in 2007, I was the editor of Voices Magazine. and doing, A local English yeah, a paper. Local publication talking about the good things about going to Israel. You know, like so many people tell you what's wrong with Israel. Mm-hmm. So Voices tries to tell you what's right with Israel. So when I was doing an interview in 2007, I found out that 350 families in Gush Etzion and Efrat were living below the poverty line. And it's, it's almost impossible to believe it because when you see Gush Etzion, it's so gorgeous and people live in such lovely homes and the communities are so nice. But so I knew this because when I was on the local council for 10 years, I held the portfolio for social services. So people would, and I don't, I mean, uh, to this day, I don't talk about any of the people or whatever, um, but I knew what was going on. I mean, there were a lot of people who, you know, were having a difficult time. I mean, you see it now also, sometimes someone's living in a nice house, but they don't have anything and they have a mortgage to pay and the husband lost his job or one of the kids, you know, has some issues and all kinds of loneliness. And we don't have to go into everyone listening knows the whole list of things that people are dealing with. So yeah, it's... um it's everywhere. Those kinds of dealings with, with family issues are everywhere. And communities have to help if people are embarrassed or they don't want to ask for help. Yeah. Life changes on a dime. Totally. And when I was writing this article about, uh, about the state of our communities and found out that all these families were living under the poverty line, I was thinking, what on earth can I do? Mm-hmm. I can't just like say, oh, oh, that's so sad and just like walk away. I was thinking that Raise Your Spirits was already... At that time, it was helping uh, families of terror victims. I can't ask them to do the one. proceeds from the shows. Right. Uh, our early, early shows were, it was very terror-based, remember, because mm-hmm. that, was the time, that was the time of terror attacks. So I thought, well, I don't know what I could possibly do, but I want to do something. At the same exact time, I went to the doctor and found out I had osteoporosis. And I said, I can't have osteoporosis. That's totally not fitting into my schedule. Like, what should I do? So he said, so lift weights. And I said, but I don't lift weights. So he said, okay, so dance. And I said, but I don't know how to dance. That night, I went home and on the table in my kitchen was the program from the Matnas, the community center of Efrat. And one of the things in this, in this program was tap dancing. And I said, this is unbelievable. I love Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly. I want to do this. I signed up for tap dancing. And one night we learned a great step. It's called a paradiddle. And I did the paradiddle and I just like screamed out, I love dancing. And then somebody next to me said, and I love dancing. And then the next one said, I love dancing. And then it hit me. And I said, if we all love dancing, then maybe everybody that's taking a dance class anywhere loves dancing. And if they all love dancing, maybe they would dance for charity. And that was the beginning of Dames of the Dance. And we've been dancing for charity for 15 years. Really, we've only had 12 shows because of Corona. Mm-hmm. In fact, wait a second, it's March 12th? Yes. On March 12th, 2020, 
we were on stage in Gush Etzion at our general rehearsal, at our, our uh, everybody was all in their costumes. We were having the most amazing rehearsal. We were supposed to go on on Sunday night. And we got a telephone call from the uh, community uh, center. And they said, get out of the building. We said, why? They said, how many people are you? I said, about 120, 130. They said, oh, no, with 100, there's corona. You can't have more. You can't have 100 people in a room. There's corona. Get out of the building. Get out of the building. I didn't know what was going on. I just suddenly said, they're telling us that we have to get out of the building. We were like hysterical. Some of, the, some of the girls were on stage. They were dancing. One of the girls was in the middle of a fallback. Oh, no. Yes. And the person that was supposed to catch her ran off stage. She continued the fallback, fell down, and broke her wrist. And that is how we began Corona, by being kicked off the stage from Dames of the Dance and, uh, and, and a broken wrist from one of our dancers. And now it's exactly... Three years later, we're going back on stage in the same show that we were supposed to do three years ago. Mm-hmm. A little few changes, but the idea is the same. And it's Dames of the Dance 12, because here in Israel, when you're 12 years old, you usually do a, um, a, like a, a survey, a story about your roots, the roots of your family. Like a bat mitzvah kind right, of segue. Right. right. So because we were 12 years old... We the the theme of our show is roots. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, so we're going on stage tomorrow night. In Jerusalem, uh, yeah, no, in uh, in We have two shows in Goshetzion and one in Efrat. Uh, we have over a hundred women. They're dancing uh, tap and hip hop, uh, jazz, modern, Mizrahi, Bollywood. Um, everything that you can think of. We even have a comedy dance that's going to be really amazing. What's incredible when women are dancing only for women is how they let go. Oh my gosh. It is wild. And uh, and what's really incredible is how there is no competition. Mm -hmm. Everybody is kind to each other. Everybody is encouraging to one another. And uh, this Dames of the Dance, all Dames of the Dance, it's the largest charity dance production in Israel. Wow. And up to up to Dames 12, which was supposed to be three years ago, but is now, uh, we have donated 530,000 shekels to charity, to um, Kimcha de Pischa, which is um, uh, food for the needy before Passover, and to worthy causes like... Um, like a, a, a the center for for trauma for people that were in unfortunately terror attacks, um, a, a a place called America's Harmony, uh, America's Volume, mm-hmm. which is for teenagers who need some like an extra support. Um, we've pr- do- donated to the um, Lone Soldiers Home. Uh, we've donated to the pro- the Boys Promenade to ke- give people a safe uh, walking place in, uh, that's named after the three boys uh, who were kidnapped here. This year, um, we are donating our profits to programs for families of special needs children. So we hope a lot of people will come. Uh, I'm dancing in three of the dances. I'm, sure um, yeah, I'm tap dancing. And I am, uh, I'm doing a Broadway number 
and um, uh, doing rhythm and romp. And I hope I hope I can. Uh, I hope we'll, we'll everybody have a great time. And so what do you do like in between all your volunteer dancing and bridal showers? Like you also have a profession in here, I know. So I, in real life, as they say, my real life is real life, R-E-E-L, life. Um, I'm the production manager of a Jewish educational film company. We make films for schools around the world, teaching all kinds of subjects um, that have to do with Judaism not just like how you wash your hands, but yes, also that, but also uh, character traits like anger, smiling, um, also being uh, how, to, how to know a kosher animal, not speaking um, evils, speech, slander, lashon hara. We have about 50 topics that we've already sent to schools around the world. Mm-hmm. It's This year, I think... Uh, I think Torah, it's called Torah Live. The website is called www.toralive.com. And I think it's about 12 years old. This year in May, it's going to be my 10th anniversary wow. at, um, at Torah Live. And kids all over the world, from Russia to South Africa to Europe and America and everywhere, they learn in their classes. They have a Torah Live class. And we give them the movies. We give them study sheets. We even have on our website, they can take tests. They can play games that have to do with the topic. And it is a fantastic way for kids to learn about Judaism and to learn Torah. No matter where they are. Right. No matter where they are. And we get letters from people really all over the world that the kids love it and the level of the motion picture production is fantastic because today kids are so used to all kinds of special effects and all kinds of like sparkly uh, inc- attention grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to keep up. So when you see a Torah live movie, especially the, the more recent ones, they are fantastic. And this, we have a new movie that we're about to start now. It's called Live to Give. It's seven episodes of 40 minutes or 45 minutes a piece. And it actually has a character arc. It has characters that you'll love that will inspire uh, young people to live, to give, instead of living a selfish life, to live a worthwhile life, a life where they can give to others and really make the world a better place. I would say that that's exactly what you embody, live to give. That's what you've done. You know, some of us make Aliyah, we move to Israel, and we think, okay, we move to Israel. And some move to Israel, like you, really. I mean, it's like so amazing to me what you have accomplished and what you still accomplish, uh, like all the time. And your mind, I know your mind is always working. What else can I do? What else can I do? And it's not just what you do personally, but what you get other people to do as well, like the dancing and the theater. And then it goes and it goes on and it gives charity and it gives people hope and it gives people, even if it's just like a metaphysical hug, as you said, with the brides. And all of this is like that, the little pebble of Sharon Katz that was put in the Israel pond, the ripples have gone really, really far. And it's really, I mean, way back when, you know, when we stood on that hill and we were all young mothers and, you know, and, and loving this land. And here you are almost three decades later and you haven't flagged for a second. You know yeah. what happened after, after we were on the Dagon and when we were finally taken down and it was so sad for us, 
I needed to repair. So I got together with a friend and we got clothing for the new immigrants from Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. And we went every week and we sold them clothing for a shekel uh, item. A shekel. So they shouldn't feel that they're getting charity. And we collected all these clothing from the people of Efrat who were also hurting and were also feeling very broken. But just this simple clothing Mm -hmm. idea helped repair them in such a great way. It was so beautiful. There's no end to the things that can be done. And most people just think about what they can buy and what they can do for themselves. And really, once you start doing things for others and once you start having a bigger picture, then it's just it's just endless. It, it really, really is. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to do. There really is never. <laughs> it really is endless. There's always people in need and people are hurting. But then you get this feeling of satisfaction that there's just, there's nothing like it. There's so many fantastic things that we can do. So many simple things. I remember during the war, my kids always say, which war was that, Ima? Whatever it was. We we used to collect food in the house and give it every week. We used to give it to the Chayalim. And people do that today too. On Tomorrow morning, I'm going to Pina Chama. Uh, I have a slot once a month, Monday morning, 8.30 to 11. Um, and we give coffee and cake soldiers. to the soldiers. There are 350 people who volunteer for the Pina Chama. Yeah. And there are 350 people that volunteer to bake for the Pina Chama. So people want to do mitzvot. People want to do good deeds. They just don't know what to do. They need to be directed. Yeah. Right. They need ideas. Yeah. So I'm an ideal girl. girl. You're a producer and a director. <laughs> and you do it I'm an idea girl and I give them ideas. Now, I, like Baruch Hashem, thank God, I've done like, really wonderful things, but I can't do them alone. I only can do them because my friends are willing to do them with me. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're with you. And as soon as somebody says, I'm with you, that's a great idea. First of all, you should have the strength to do this for as they say, until 120, but for good reasons. Okay. Not for, not for any of the terrible reasons that, that we've had to do. And really, I think, uh, I, I don't know if you understand how many people you've inspired and how proud Efrat is to have you as living here for a long time and raising your family here. And just, you've really put Gush Etzion, Efrat and Gush Etzion on the map in many ways as a place Gosh. where, no, no, as a place where, look, horrible things happen to all of us, personally, nationally. What you do with them is what is going to shape, shape your life. You know, do you just let it overwhelm you and the sadness and the depression, which so many people do, or do you get up? And if you're not sad or depressed, or you have a little bit of extra, you know, go help. I mean, one of the things I remember with the Gush Katif people, they insisted on staying together. They insisted, even when they were living in like little caravans and they didn't want to move out because they said, we need our community because it, we, everyone is going to go down at some point. And then when the neighbors are there to pick them up and then the neighbor goes down six months later and can't get out of bed and is all depressed and then their friends pick them up. And it happens like that in waves. But if you're surrounded by people who love you and whom you love, then when you need to pick me up, they're there. When they need to pick me up, you're there. And uh, and that's what a community is. And that's really what you see. So many people are missing around the world for many reasons, not necessarily here in Israel. COVID, money reason, everything, the lack of community, the lack of those people around who can say, 
tomorrow will be a better day. And here's why. And you've really managed to do that, set a tremendous example, not just for your children, who are pretty amazing in their own right, as someone who knows them, but uh, really for an entire community. And uh, I just really, I want to thank you for taking the time because I know Dames of the Dance starts and you're already tapping on my floor, even, you know, the tap shoes on. By the way, how are your bones? My bones could be better, but we do our best. Okay. But the doctor at least thought you were going in the right direction. Okay. Okay. That's something too. Sharon Katz, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm, your name is going to go like your address. We're going to put in the podcast so people f- feel free, people, if you're listening, you want to write to her to find out how she does some of the things. Maybe you can bring it to your community or a similar idea you can do in your own community. Or if you want to get involved in some of the things she's doing in Israel or bring, if you are in Israel, bring the play. Maybe they've gone traveling around Israel, maybe to bring the play to other places in Israel. Uh, she's open to all those possibilities. She's sitting here with a big smile on her face. You just can't see it. So thank you, everybody. And, um, you know, sometimes the podcast is going to be really serious and sometimes it's going to be serious, but hopeful serious. And that's what I hope that uh, this week's podcast was. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network, with thanks to Ben and to Tabitha and to all of you. Take care, everybody, and goodbye for now. Shalom, everybody. This is Jeremy Gimpel from the Land of Israel Network, but also from the Land of Israel Fellowship. We have members from 31 countries joining us every week, Sunday, live at 6 p.m. For those that can't make it live, they get a direct recording sent to them. We're growing together. We're learning together. We're celebrating together. The gates are open for all who want to come and join. And so this is a personal invitation to all the listeners out there. If you want to join the Land of Israel Fellowship, just go to thelandofisrael.com slash fellowship and you can join us tomorrow as we prepare for the big days ahead.